go. Episode 221 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn. I'm host, creator of the show, of course. It'll be a pretty quick intro. I'm, I'm still in a bit of pain. I had a wisdom tooth pulled a few days ago. My last one, they're all finally gone, but gosh, it's, it's still pretty sore. I'm recording this it's been a few hours since I've taken some pain meds, so I'm starting to feel it again. So I'll, I'll get right to it. You're in store for a great conversation today with my friend David Ben-Simon. I met him, I'm always struck by the time that goes by. I probably met him like 10 to 15 years ago at Yoga Works. He was working at Yoga Works. Of course, I used to go there five times a week. And I was always struck and enamored by David's great attitude, his sincerity, his warmth, and I thought it would be a great time to have him on the show. He's gone on to become an astrologer, and he's also an author as well. He put out his first book from the Little Crab Astrology book series. It's a children's book called The Little Crab Finds a Friend. It's an astrological children's book series conceived and written by David as it chronicles the little crab's encounter with 12 very different friends each of whom represents the 12 zodiac signs. And I guess he's got like another 11 books in the series that he needs to write. So he's got a lot of work to do over the next oh, five to 10 years, putting these, bringing these books to life. You can find David at littlecrabastrology.com or on Instagram at littlecrabastrology. Of course, we talk a lot about astrology. Um, a bit of a crash course in understanding what astrology means. We find out how David got into astrology. I think it's a really personal, deep, wonderful conversation. Of course, we talk about yoga, meditation, social media, balancing tech with you know the the more intrinsic parts of our lives. And I think before I let you go, you know, he asked me a question towards the end of the show, and of, of course, I like my answer, but. You know why I really enjoyed this conversation with David? There's something special about having personal, intimate conversations. And I think this show is a reminder about the value that they bring to my life. And I don't want to say that you have to start a podcast to have these conversations, but there's something to be said about putting the phone down, putting all the distractions away, sitting face-to-face -face with a friend, and asking questions and listening and letting go and being vulnerable, I think that's probably the most rewarding part of my show. It, it's truly, uh, it truly adds a level of love and depth and sensitivity and openness, all these elements. And, and I'm incredibly grateful that people trust me and, and want to be a part of my show. And I think it's just a reminder about how important it is for us to find the time to have face-to-face -face conversations with one another. Um, so you know where to find me on social, at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Please, if you enjoy the episode, go back to the big library of episodes. There's tons of great shows. Maybe share this show with your friends. Share it on social. Maybe write a review on iTunes. That would be incredibly helpful. Um, I have a new book called ssafyoga. Or it's called SSAF Yoga. You can buy it at ssafyoga.com or, of course, on Amazon. David, thanks again. I really appreciate you taking the time to be a part of the show. And as always, thanks to you for listening, supporting, being a part 
of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. This is so like new agey. I was trying to diffuse some essential oil. <laughs> I like such, this is such an LA story. This is so LA. I brusquely opened the door and hit my head on it um, <laughs> in an attempt to open the closet that keeps said essential oil. So yeah, that happened like five minutes ago, and I'm like, wow, that really hurt. Should I actually probably put some? <laughs> so I'm using my wife's like face ice pack, which I'm sure she doesn't appreciate. Because, yeah. You know, that's on my insane. temple, but good thing this is audio only, or eventually. Actually, no, this right now I'm filming this moment. Right now, this is live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, great to see you, man. Likewise. Good to see you. Yeah. I love it. I had your book. I must have, I had it right there. I think it's, was out now out there. Well, I, I wanted to, wow. I wanted to start by just asking you, and, and I, this is in no way meant to at increase my ego or decrease my ego, but you have sort of entered the world of Eddie Cohn a little bit, you know, via the podcast and, and my book. And I'm curious, how has that, how has that affected you? It's, it's streamlined from what I knew of Eddie Cohn. Okay. Uh, at my time at Yogurt. To me, it's like th- there's not, there wasn't a disconnect or a departure from our discussions we've had, from observing you talk to others. Like to me, it was like, this is Eddie. Like this is you. It's not like, oh, who is this person? Right. This is just now your views entering these realms of yoga. This is like Eddie as. Like to me, you have a very clearly clearly defined personality that continues to evolve, but there is a certain like thorough line that I feel like travels. And so to me, it's like this is you taking on the um, not misconceptions, but the hypocrisy or the uh, the shadow. I don't know how you want to describe it. The the things that people aren't willing to like glaringly point out of the cat like to me like and you do it i mean your commitment to at first i was like wait is this entire book sarcasm or is it like i was like okay this is a completely bought in at first i didn't know it was a like an actual like narrative i thought it was like you know just your take on the yoga world and i was like oh wow which a i love because i'm like it's super easy to just i mean your writing style it's super easy to just get into. I mean, you're, dude, like your razor sharp wit, penchant for sarcasm. I mean, it's all there and it's all, but it's all like you're trying, you're clearly, you're trying to get to a point. I haven't, not super far. I'm like literally like eight pages into it. I read like, I always read like forward. I like to like, but I mean, the commitment to it is great. I imagine this is kind of exposing the underbelly of yoga or the underbelly of the spiritual world and how, yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, it's very, like, I think, blatantly doing that in a, in a very direct way, which which I love. Um, but it's super entertaining, man. Good. I mean, I'm excited to read how it goes. And I'm like, is this, like, because I feel like from knowing you, you always kind of, these things always 
bothered you and disturbed you? And so I'm just so curious because I'm like, okay, is this like an endorsement? This isn't obviously an endorsement of these things, but it's all like a you're portraying a fully bought in person. Yeah. That like has, I guess, completely drank the Kool-Aid and is almost like this is the influencer that you see. And this is someone that like, you know, is aware they're being influenced, is aware they've kind of like completely gone dark side well, or gone in the dark. Yeah. And, and I think there's there's a lot there. But I think these I'll just, for lack of a better word, things that sort of come into our lives, be it the phone, television, um, you know, TikTok and Instagram, you know, we, we sort of go about our lives and these products infu- infuse themselves very um, uh, perniciously. It's, it's, very, it's, very, mm-hmm. it's very subtle. And there isn't a guidebook on to how to use them. I mean, sure, you know, there's there's a very simple manual about how to use your phone. Um, there's a very simple manual, you know, I'll sort of connect it to yoga. You, there's there's poses and postures, and they're they're meant to make us feel a particular way, open up the body. And there's the meditational aspect of yoga, of course. It's supposed to slow us down. It, it it's. It just feels like it's the lines are getting blurry. Uh, Everything sort of is not about the yoga anymore. There's so many elements attached to it. Uh, The phone has sort of like disrupted us in so many ways. And so, you know, yeah, I guess. Which ties into like your podcast, like the main like angle or point of view of your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you feel as an astrologer? As, as something that is really uh, intrinsic and subtle, do you feel like you're battling an uphill, quote-unquote, battle because you see people's focus is on something that is very different from astrology or because this world has become so tech-centric, actually the market to find people that would be interested in something like, like astrology is actually pretty profound yeah i have found that because as you mentioned it's so tech-centric um and just so everything is just so transient and so like quick and and just everyone is seeking instant gratification that anything that provides a lot of depth or has a huge amount of history like yoga astrology you know it is possible to package it in a social media way that is like quick and easy and does not, you know, is, is just attractive and easy to consume Mm. and easily digestible. But of course, like there's two folds to this because in one way that is what expands the popularity and awareness of something. However, it's like how you're presenting that isn't always the most conducive or clear way. And that's when things become diluted. That's when things start to, lose their root meaning purpose Mm. you kind of it becomes like what is it this is just another glib fun thing like or something that like just is like oh this is momentary pleasure this is meant to give me um a momentary feeling but the deeper purpose meaning um it can sometimes be lost so it's like yes it's expanded the popularity of it and the access to it it's so accessible now astrology has become so accessible because of tiktok and instagram 
yoga and how to, you know, unlock certain poses, like from a very uh, physical point of view, uh, surface point of view has become more accessible, but then it's, it's maybe less people choosing to access the, the depth that really, I think is the richness of both those things. And you, you, it's funny, you brought up an interesting point that I just want to zero in on really fast. Just like these, these ancient old, um, practices, you know, I went to see Felicia a couple days ago and had my first acupuncture with her. Imagine if Felicia in our session was taking TikTok videos of, of, of you know, imagine if, and, and I think that's sort of, imagine being lying on the couch with needles in you or being in a therapy session and, you know, your therapist is, is taking videos. Like, how deep and enriching and nourishing and heal, healing can the experience be um, if we're combining it with these artificial technologies? And I think that's something, you know, back to yoga and, the, and what I observed, and I'm sure you observed working at Yoga Works. You know, it, this, this, my book... And my perspective, it's not about being resentful or hateful or uh, it's just observation. And I think a lot of artists and creators, you know, we observe and this is this. That's what I saw. No. And I mean, that's that's why, like, when I read it, it wasn't like, what is this? This is so unlike it. It was like, oh, yeah, this is like I mean, I was it just conjured images of like or moments from being at Yoga Works and, and just seeing, you know, observing these things. And I mean, back then it wasn't even like at the level it's at now where people, like you said, they're just split focus. It's, it's like they're doing one thing, be it yoga, be it Reiki. And then they're also trying to split their energy at the same time into doing something else, like promoting what they're doing. Or, I mean, truly when you're capturing something on video, I believe at my core that you can't be as fully immersed. You're splitting. You're now like 50% focused on like, and filming this thing and 50% focused on living this thing yes no i mean that's the whole thing like um when you're documenting something if you're documenting yourself doing something that requires you to be fully present it it is not possible when you're like filming yourself with the intention of like i am my intention is to like create something a lot of people are going to see versus my intention is to help heal this person or to understand what this person's going through um and so yeah i mean your book while like brilliantly satirical it does just show us these things so plainly and unapologetically that you can't be like well that's not it's an exaggeration because it really isn't an exaggeration that's the funny part it's as much as like i'm like okay this is like a cartoon of reality it's not like especially the split attention like the like hold on like keep your phone use your phone like the idea that like doing more than like doing only one thing is like so antiquated and like, of course you should be multitasking when doing things that require or should require your full focus. So it, it just, it's so on the nose and on point with, with what we're seeing. And so I just feel like people were so myself included, we're so looking for the next distraction and it's, yeah, it's impossible for us sometimes to just do one thing and to be fully invested in that one thing. And, and I think that, the, of course, the phone and like technology and social media, all these things have made it that we feel like we should be doing multiple things. I mean, people will, you know, 
have movies on as, as like ambient background noise. Like, and, and like the idea of like just sitting down to intentionally watch a film has become harder and harder because it's like uh, people will scroll through their phone or people will, you know, so you're well, just diluting and spreading. It's just a diffuse of intention and energy. What's amazing, I mean, a couple more points here and then I, I want to dive in a little deeper into some other area, but it's, it's interesting. I just watched Fatal Attraction and I hadn't seen it for like 10 years. Have, did you ever see the movie with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close? So I haven't. Okay. I've seen I've seen the iconic moments. So the, I it it I had chills because it is so brilliant and every scene is visually beautiful. It's almost like photography coming to light the way the the this it sounds, the the lighting, the acting, the writing. And I was thinking, I mean, this came out in 1987. That movie like that will never be created again because I I get the sense a lot of content now is being created because the people that are the execs, the the in in at Netflix, Amazon, they know that people aren't watching something and just watching it. Like Fatal Attraction was this immersive experience, but it wasn't about, you know, having headphones on and watching the Van Gogh exhibit in different uh, sensory experiences. It's just, you're watching the freaking movie. It's, it's blowing you away. You're on the edge of your seat. And if you're looking at your phone while Fatal Attraction is going on, you are missing so many elements that, that, will live inside of you. And, and it's just something that I really think a lot about and, and, and just how, I mean, I, I don't know if it, clearly you noticed this also. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing, that film is, you're watching that to fully embody that world and immerse yourself in this story, a very provocative story that, I mean, hopefully you don't live yourself, you know? Right. So it's like the idea that you would like willingly like, take yourself out of it or numb yourself from the full experience. It's just fascinating. Yeah. First, before I get into astrology and just a slight backstory, are you, are you from California? No. Where are you from? Not originally. Uh, Florida. I'm curious because... Florida, man. I have this hypothesis or theory that um, much of the problems in the world stem from the egocentric qualities of men. And like that that ego-driven, me first, hierarchical, I win, I'm better, put the other guy down. And I'm all for... Uh, you know, masculinity, I certainly believe in that, but I think softer spoken men, um, men driven from the heart, I think we need more people like that in this, in this world. And I think, you know, looking back at your childhood, high school, because I just, I think a guy getting into astrology is, is not, you know, that sort of atypical path. So, you know, before the curiosity around astrology, because I was reading about you, um, let's, you know, that 10 year block of time, 15 years before that, you know, 
what what interested you and, and did you get get the sense you know were people supportive that you were sort of interested in different things than other people may have been in sort of just you know a little, jump at a time machine and give me a little backstory yeah for sure if i look back as like myself as a kid and then as an adult now who understands my astrology it just clarifies so much of the things i maybe struggled with or didn't come as easy as a kid. I was someone that wanted to have, you know, personal connection with people. Like I didn't, you know, I, I had a hard time as you were mentioning with like the kind of the masculine rules growing up as a kid in the eighties and nineties, it was just like, okay, like I wanted to be sensitive to the needs of my male friends, female friends. Like I, wanted to have like meaningful conversation, deep conversation. And it was, I did feel like, okay, I, I recognized I couldn't do those things. I like to talk about emotions and feeling. I'm like totally for anyone that knows astrology, they're like, this guy's such a cancer zodiac. Yes, I am. a cancer. <laughs> I'm so sometimes stereotypical, but like I couldn't, I felt that I couldn't fully have those conversations. And I always had a peaked interest when astrology was mentioned, but I really didn't dig into it until I was in my later 20s. Yeah, but 20s. why do you think, uh, what, how is, how are you interested in that? Or, or was I it, think I was interested in it because whenever I would witness people talk about astrology, this is even back in like high school, middle school, some guards went down and they were able to talk about something a little deeper. You know, it's almost like, if you see two strangers, two men in the grocery store, and they're both wearing a sports jersey that's the <laughs> same jersey, they suddenly it breaks down a barrier, and huh. they can they can open up. And it's the same. I noticed with astrology when people were recognized, they were the same sign. You know, you were talking about like things that were meaningful to you with astrology. You were like, oh, I also feel this way, or like I'm in I'm like this when I'm in you know social situations. You were suddenly going beyond the typical exchange of pleasantries, formalities that so many people have that doesn't really connect us and people were actually connecting. And so um, it, I noticed just that really appealed to me because I think I was always seeking deeper connection when I was younger and, you know, love to talk about like how things made people feel or like love to be like, oh, like, you know, what, like, like I wanted to, to share my affection and, and like, care for like my guy friends but i recognize like you couldn't there was only so much you could do before you were kind of ostracized so it was like very much like okay i can like i just have to like express myself this way so i think understanding my astrology now i can look back and understand where i felt confined or where i felt limited in fully expressing my natal chart um i i do think that you know astrology becoming more mainstream now creates more opportunities for people to talk about it and connect with the deeper with the deeper elements of it and with really the deeper elements of yourself like when you're talking astrology with someone else you're sharing more intimate places or intimate pieces of yourself yeah but in a way that doesn't feel like a forced intimacy or a forced depth sometimes like it doesn't feel ever artificial to me because it's there's something, I mean, it can be, I'm sure you can have it where it feels very like forced, but oftentimes when people are talking astrology, it's this like, wow, we're talking about ourselves and, and unveiling kind of deeper elements of who we are, but in a way that feels 
is accessible. I think astrology makes that accessible because yeah. it's something tangible that you can look at and see and um, and observe. And yeah. Well, give me, and I and I'm I'm pretty naive or layman when it comes to astrology. So I, I know I'm a Taurus. That's oh, about that's yeah. about it. But uh, steady me, Eddie, but give, steady Eddie in the house. But give me the the overall philosophy crash course under like oh, what, what no. I know this could dive into a world, <laughs> but just, you know, it's a really simple, the meaning of astrology and, 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 and the connection to the human species or just, you know, you, to, the connection to you or me or, you know, what it, get, try to explain it to me. I will try. Um, a lot of this will end up being my personal my personal how my personal experience with astrology but also how astrology has shaped me but astrology is something that has been used for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and you know i i imagine like early civilization like you know sentient beings like looking up and you observe the stars and so it starts with like correlations of like when certain stars were aligned, when there were eclipses, these big events happened, like the king dies on the eclipse. Like, and it, and it started um, Mesopotamia, Egypt. There's mm-hmm. different systems being developed in those different places, like Babylonia, which was, I think, part of Mesopotamia. Not the history. I can't recall it as sharply as I'd like, okay. but you see it evolve and you see from Egypt from Mesopotamia. And then um, you see then like Greco-Roman, the Hellenistic astrology, um, Ptolemy, like you you start to see how it builds into a system of understanding events based on the alignment of the stars. Gosh, I mean, um, just, well, let me just soak that in. I think because things are moving so quickly now and we're being force-fed so much information that I think it's hard for people to imagine that life on Earth would be affected by the planets, the stars. Uh, but as you explained it to me, it, it makes sense. And I do believe that we all are connected in this, in, in this sort of mysterious, magical way. Like my actions could, my smile or not smiling to somebody when I'm walking down the sidewalk, that could affect somebody's day. And then that could affect somebody. It, it just keeps trickling over and over again. So I think, I don't think it's hard to imagine that the stars and, and the history of the planets and, and how they all align, how that could affect the energy on Earth. Yeah, I, you know, once astrology, it was something that I don't have like a rational, like I didn't have like an epiphany moment of like connecting the dots and being like, yes, this is how I know astrology is real and how it works for me. It was just this deep knowing and being revealed like, oh yeah, of course, this has always been there. Now you're just accessing it. This tool is always been there. And I mean, to think about like that, there's a, there's something called um, the Thema Mundi, which is the inception chart for the universe. And it is like a chart that is supposed of when the universe was created. And so it has like a cancer rising and then it has all the planets and signs of what we see now. And so it's like, 
I don't know. There's something when I learn about the history of astrology and learn about like the evolution of the interpretations, it just resonates so deeply and is like, oh, yes, of course. Like there's a lot of people, Eddie, that, you know, they they there's like a crisis of consciousness where they're like, I need to know astrology is real and I need to prove it. And there's this like guardedness of like, I love like this makes sense. This works for me. But there is this like. I need to validate and justify it by through scientific means. Whereas hmm. I don't, I just a hundred percent through my soul just know it's a thing. And the more I dig, the deeper you dig, the deeper I've dug, the deeper that's just been reinforced. And the only thing I've learned is astrology is this like endless well the, uh, that, you know, you can spend lifetimes digging. You know, you could spend lifetimes examining one person's chart from all the different angles, using all the different systems of astrology, and it'll blow your mind. And I just, I love that it is this bottomless well, or it feels that way to me. I mean, at least in my lifetime, I feel like I'll spend my whole life continuing to like learn and study and apply different techniques and understand different techniques. And um, it's, I don't know, man, it's just something that is there for me. And I think that everyone comes to the realization, everyone that connects with astrology becomes an astrologer, comes to that realization in their own way, be it through hours and hours and hours of research, you know, hundreds of hours of statistical analysis, because astrology really is statistical at its core in the sense of like, we've observed this aspect, uh, this relationship between two planets happen 200 times. Of the 200 times, this event occurred 195. So it's like, that's one way, you know, maybe it's not empirical where it's mm-hmm. like you can, it can be vetted through empirical means, but it can be vetted through statistical how means. And however you come to it being meaningful and true to you is unique to the individual, but it is like important to come to that to where you're just like, oh yes, this is very much, this thing is very powerful and this is how I like to use it. And, and it yeah. just took for me um, seeing the parallels between the astrology and my life. Like that is how astrology really connected for me is going through my world and seeing the parallels of what I've come to understand about um, astrology, planets, placements, how they relate to what I'm seeing in front of me with two people talking or two, you know, it's, it, I don't know. It just really took over. And when you have that filter, when you, when you see things through those astrological lens and you connect what you've learned, that's when I think it becomes magical and, and really real and tangible and able to use. It's funny. Something I was thinking about when you were talking, this word believer, and it's, it's strange. It's almost like we have these magical alternative tools. Like, I wasn't getting into an argument with a friend of mine, but he's definitely more on the science side of life. And I, I've had good luck with homeopath, homeopathic medicine. And, mm-hmm. he, and he comes from the belief that that's a complete scam. And, mm-hmm. and I think um, science is certainly a valid uh, and offers valid explanations to a lot of the health crises in this world. But I think it has this tendency to sort of box us all in into sort of like one neat little uh, box or circle or pie. And I think, I think like similarly with acupuncture, I, I think some people think it's a complete scam. Now, through my experience, I've had 
great success. I, I, tore, I tore my meniscus, my orthopedic surgeon, he offered me steroids or um, we can do surgery. And I'm sort of like, fuck that, I'm not doing that. And so, or, or at least I'm gonna do whatever I can for a year before that ends up becoming an alternative where I have no choice. So I went to a chiropractor, I went to an acupuncturist for a year and lo and behold, knock on wood, all my pain is completely gone and I can run and jump no problem. And it's, it's sort of like, okay, if you don't wanna believe in homeopathic remedies, if you don't wanna believe in astrology, if you don't wanna believe in acupuncture, that's fine. But then just don't talk shit about the people that do believe in it and have had good success. But I guess my question to you is, is it worth trying to make somebody a believer or, or do we just, there are people that believe in it and there are people that don't? Uh, I, I don't know, do you, am I making any sense? You're making so much sense, dude. And I, Eddie, like, I wonder, I'm just like, man, what is it about people? Like, what is it that threatens your friend about, you know, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, homeopathy? Like, what is it? I, what I don't understand is when people like your friend have such strong reactions mm-hmm. and not just like, well, that's not for me, but that's clearly something that's worked for you. It's like, what are you threatened by? Because I think you're right. I think this idea that this is a neat, contained box sciences you know one plus one equals two like this theory is proved this theory is not proved um and i think with traditional chinese eastern philosophy astrology so many of these things there's not the concrete answers that people maybe seek or the like definite answers and i do if you're i don't i don't waste my energy on people that are just angry about it or just vehement like you know i just try to i one thing i one thing i i do like about the way i approach astrology and approach people that maybe are skeptical to a point of of being volatile about it is just if i know anything about them astrologically like even their sun sign it's just i'm like okay what is the gateway to just sharing why this is meaningful to me and not like continuing an argument, but just mm-hmm. like, this is why. And I usually like by using, even if I know very little about their astrology, just using um, using that just as a way of like, what's the best approach here? I usually find that like, there's something that the person could take away, you know, be it like, okay, this person is gonna be most convinced if I like cite a historical event several historical events that coincided with a certain aspect or is this person if i mentioned something about you know what is the gateway um to helping them understand but at the same time i really don't waste too much energy and time with people like that are just people that like really feel in my opinion it's being threatened by it yeah. you know or i just if i've ever been threatened by something and i'm at, up in arms because someone believes something i feel like whoa there's a lot to unpack like what is what what is going on in my side that makes me have such a strong volatile adverse reaction to something you know it's yeah. it's just interesting i think that it's a lot of there's so many tools in this universe and astrology rubs you the wrong way or any of these things you know that's okay cool use the other tools but when you're so dismissive of it or also not just dismissive, but unwilling to accept another person's convictions of it, it just makes me question like, what the hell is going on, man?
if if I had psychiatric issues, I like how I say if because clearly I do. Uh, you know, I would I would go to a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. Um, because I used to go to the doctor a lot as a kid and all they would do is pop, give me pills to pop. That's why I became in my twenties, very curious about, you know, yoga, homeopathic remedies, um, acupuncture, believe a firm believer in therapy. I never would have thought that a straw, like try, I'll try to make my point. I guess I, I, I looked at astrology as, as sort of getting an understanding about either my personality or my characteristics as a human, maybe even my connection to somebody. But I never would have thought about going to astrology because I was hoping to improve something in my, or or like because I had uh, bad health somewhere. It feels like you turn to astrology for health-related reasons, or, or or the and or that's how you look at astrology to help people. Is that is that correct? Um, well, there is a whole branch of astrology called medical astrology that I do not have uh, <laughs> knowledge in because that is really a whole other field, and that looks at the relationship. You know, a lot of a lot of um, medical astrologers have a medical background, um, and that's looking at the relationship of of health and astrology and how that aligns um i do i see astrology as something that is healing or or helpful a lot of times in my experience with clients yes it's clarifying you know i think that's the thing about astrology it's it's looking at stuff that maybe you didn't have a form or like you didn't see like what it was you couldn't define it or you couldn't actually understand like what it was and it gives when you look at like two planets and how they interact within your natal chart you know i think it gives sometimes definition and clarity to issues or things that people have recognized but haven't been able to concretely you know see your label i mean i astrology has so many purposes and um the first for me is just self-understanding and self-love and I think that is how I approach a lot of my astrological sessions, but not in like a forced way. Like this, this is, you're going to love yourself more at the end of this hour because you understand it's just, you know, when you look at astrology as like a roadmap, I mean, you see that like, okay, everything is, is laid out in a certain way that presents this unique quest and a quest is, is meant to have pitfalls. It's meant to have highs. It's meant to have lows. It's meant to be a journey. And so, um, I just see it as like, let's, let's like look at what this is. And sometimes people, as I'm describing and sharing about what certain planets signify, certain house placements, uh, signify people will start to share, events from their life and episodes in their life and things that have relate to that. And you just, it starts to build bridges for people. And I think it starts to connect and it's not that like they leave the session. They're like, okay, my relationship issues are because of this planet or, you know, it's more that it kind of validates, I think a lot of what they have felt. Um, and it gives, it's clear. It's being able to clearly see, obstacles being able to clearly see strengths being able to clearly see these these parts of yourself um and that that i think is what i aim for 
It's just like, yeah. can we can we make this accessible? Can we make astrology something that is constructive or beneficial? Because it can be really esoteric. I mean, you can go into a session and just be like, wow, like I don't get how any of what, what I learned connects to my life. So I, it's very important for me to connect it to the individual. Let me play devil's advocate a bit, but also ask a question. If I tell you I'm a Taurus, though, you instantly have sort of this almost preconceived notion about me in this weird sort of way. And, and to me, that almost goes against us as individuals. So I guess my question is, okay, so you, you know I'm a Taurus, but then what are you doing or how are you peeling the layers? Because there's clearly more to... Um, you know, just being stubborn or, you know, being disciplined. But, you know, what, what's, um, again, I'm not, I'm not, I guess my point is Taurus, oh yeah, you're, you know, you, you, you probably get like a sort of perception, but you must go deeper than sort of the perceptions of a Taurus. So how are you peeling those layers or what are you doing? Okay. This is, I'm glad you brought this up because there's multiple like, answers or layers to this question first off like to go back to our earlier conversation about social media one thing i think one role i think social media has played in astrology is that it has introduced key characteristics of the different zodiac signs and when people think here zodiac often that's referring to people's sun sign you know where the sun is when you're born and so hmm. people like you'll see a tiktok video and be like Cancers be like, you know, cancers are like this. And, it'll, and, and so it's easy if you just, if you've just had introdu an introduction to astrology through videos like that, through content like that, it's quick to be like, okay, you're right, Eddie. You're like you start to generalize and you start to kind of stereotype and you start to, you know, put all these categories. And so if someone here is Taurus, it is, you are absolutely right. Could there be a tendency to dismiss further exploration about the person just be like oh well okay i know everything i need to know like you know eddie is, loves food he's stable he's gonna go slowly but determinedly to the destination you know all these things like that they've seen right. so astrology can be as shallow of a pool or as deep of an ocean as you want hmm. it's all about how deep you're willing to go and you know i think for many people their introduction to astrology is just knowing their sun sign and so when you learn uh, your big three, which in like kind of it's a neologism pop culture reference to your rising sign, your moon sign, which are, you know, the next most important placements. I mean, some would argue the rising sign. Many would argue, I'd probably agree, the rising sign is one of the most important things because that's your physical self. When you understand how the sun sign, the moon sign, and the rising sign interact and shape your chart, then it's like, like, oh, okay, that's why, like, when I hear, you know, description on Taurus, not everything registers. So this is why I kind of am like, yeah, that's like 60% true or feels 60% right, but 40% of that is just, you know, doesn't apply. I think that when you start to understand all the placements in astrology, not as separate parts, but holistically, how they work together as a whole because when you start taking apart different components and looking at this moon placement and then this Mercury and like, and you're not considering how it all works together yeah. in a comprehensive way, then the engine of the car won't start. You know, the car is not going to move. Uh, it's, it's, you've got to look at it all together. And so 
it is helpful to like, okay, you know your sun sign, but let's introduce the rising sign and moon. And then once that feels like, once you explain that, maybe there's been time for that information to kind of marinate, then you can start looking at the like other personal planets. Let's see how Venus, Mars, and Mercury are doing, you know, and you start to add these layers. You start to peel back layers. And there are almost endless ways to continue to examine your chart and to look at how transits, which is current alignments of the stars, planets, how those relate to your natal chart, which is the chart uh, where the planets were when you were born. And oh, so, so that's what natal that's what natal chart means, where the planets... Yes. Okay. I, I, should have, I should have, yes. I no, should I was going to ask, so, okay. Yeah. Well, how yeah, would... Wait, how would I how would I find out where the where the planets were when I was born? Well, back in the day you'd have to like draw it out. Like so you would I mean this like before this is an ephemeris. Like I use this when I'm feeling you, you're a Taurus, and not to astro generalize, but typically there's something like beautiful about I'm kind of going against what I just said, but like about the tactile. You know, and sometimes like I don't want to use my software to like uh-huh. find the chart. I want to like open the book and like scan the thing, feel it. But I mean, back back in the day, like they would actually like astrologers would would copy the night sky, you know, wow. into parchment uh, or, or other papyrus. I'm not sure what the uh, paper <laughs> substitute was back then, but they would they would copy it and and you know. That it, it's it's insane to think about that that connection, but um, now if you know your time of birth, your exact time of birth, okay, that's why like it's there's like funny memes you'll see like uh, like moms getting like text messages at like ten thirty at night like hey when was I born exact time and it's like you're on a date clearly with an astrologer <laughs> like you're yeah okay you're. Uh, you're getting new agey right now. Um, so you need to have your exact time of birth um, to get your full chart. Now, if you do not have that, there's uh, chart rectification, which people are experts in. There are there are other ways to examine your chart. But if I know you're born on the 21st of 20, I'm sorry, I don't remember your exact birthday, like late April, uh and you're born, you know, sometime maybe during the day, or you're just like, I know I'm born that day, maybe at night, maybe during the day. I still have a lot to work with because your moon okay. sign most likely is there. Moon, the moon transits moves out of signs every two and a half days, roughly. So, you know, usually uh, if I see the moon changes signs that day, then okay, maybe there's a little more guesswork. But you can you can still get a framework for the person's chart. But having their exact time of birth defines the rising sign, which defines your first house. The first house in astrology is you. It is yourself, your physical body, yourself, your personality. Um, and that helps to, to, to show, not just helps, but it does show the person, the astrologer, um, what areas of life are going to come into focus um, and what planets are in what areas of life and what planets are not. And so that is um, that is how you get your natal chart. Okay. Software. The short answer is like Solar Fire or Astro Gold is a software that many astrologers use to pull the chart. However, you can go on many websites and do a chart calculator. Have you ever looked at your natal chart, Eddie? Have no, you ever seen? No, but it, I, I think it's something you know. A follow up. Uh, we sh- we should do that. Yeah, yeah. it'd be fun. 
it's so fun when I show a client and someone maybe new to astrology in their natal chart for the first time, before I like start talking about it, I like I like to ask them like what jumps out? Like I'm gonna show you something, you're gonna see a lot of like geometry and symbols, but turn off the analytical brain, give me your like first 10 seconds, like what jumps out? And they'll be like, oh, this little symbol or this Hmm. little like squiggly line or like the fact that there is nothing in this part of the chart, you know? And that's really interesting to me because usually what they notice first, I kind of could see that in their astrology. It's like, oh yeah. And then it, it just connects them to what they're seeing. Cause first time you see your chart, Eddie, you're going to be like, what the fuck am I looking at? Like, this is like geometry hell. Like, you know, it's just something where you're like, what are these glyphs? What are these symbols? Um, and I think that like when you start to give meaning, it starts to come to life, but it's cool for the person new to astrology, seeing their natal chart for the first time, just to have their own observation and their own like connection. With it. I guess I, I only lament, you know, I'm not a Luddite. I certainly love my tech and I obviously have like pianos and I have software I think part of the reason why I started the podcast and I, I think if you're not careful, you, you miss a lot of the sort of um, intrinsic, natural, energetic components to life. And I think uh, just listening to you and talking to you, I think there's a lot of beauty in, in, in so many elements of this bizarre, strange universe that are just getting overlooked now because we're so easily, you know, infatuated and titillated with, with uh, the world of TikTok and Instagram. And it's, it's, I don't know, I just think it's a really powerful reminder just listening to you um, that there's, there's some pretty powerful forces um, that we have a lot to learn about that can sort of add a lot of depth uh, to our lives. And, and it, but we'll just sort of overlook them because we're just you know distracted by what episode of Ozark I want to watch tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have a question. Of, it, it was just something I was. It was just something I was thinking as I was listening to you. No, it's funny, and I. This is going to be. I've never really uh, verbalized this thought, Eddie, and this may sound kind of out there, but I sometimes think that like the magic, the magical elements of this reality we live in is kind of like, oh, wow, we have to like be more noticeable because we're getting overlooked Mm -hmm. and we're getting overshadowed by like people's screens and tech and like all these other, as you mentioned, distractions. So it's weird because I feel like I see magic more. I see magic creeping in. I'm like, oh my God, like it's really trying to get seen. And it's a weird thought and it, it, but I, I do feel like as I've delved into my own, I don't know, spiritual practice or what it, it's exciting. Cause I, I see, I feel like I see more concrete or visible examples of magic. You know, so much of it is auric or feelings or like you sense something. And I think that with like, as we were so pulled into our phones and pulled into our, our avatar life, you know, I think that like to balance it out, there's almost these like, there's, more intrusive magic i feel like you know we're starting there, there's it's it's like more stuff is more universal like secrets are being revealed to us i don't know why it's a weird just made me think of it when you were when you were talking about like how pulled we are yet i feel at the same time that the world is becoming and presenting 
more magic to us because it it needs it. It needs hmm. to remind us of how magical our current reality is. And yes, maybe in this reality we can't just fly and we can't like live underwater for extended periods of time as human beings. You know, we are geocentric. We are Earth. And like when you look at astrology, astrology for us Earthlings is geocentric. It's looking at it from the position of being on Earth. And when you start to understand astrology and that certain that every zodiac sign is categorized into elements and earth being one of the elements and you understand like you know earth has rules and all how that translates to the zodiac signs you understand like oh if this was a air realm like we would all maybe fly and like air signs like a lot of the the rule the qualities of air signs would be seen in our how we live but we are not in atlantis we're not underwater with water signs we are not you know like in like a flaming Zeus home, like with fire signs, we are on earth. And so you do have, there's limitations to um, what, what is possible, but there is so much unseen magic that I feel like it's because of our distracted nature starting to like, Hey, look at me. Like Hmm. there's a lot there. And I do want to, I do want to, I don't want to go, too far down a tangent, but I do want to say one of the easiest ways to connect to astrology is to, is through the elements. You know, I mentioned that every Zodiac sign is categorized into these four elements. There's fire, earth, um, water, and air, mm-hmm. or excuse me, air, water, I'm doing it in zodiacal order Sorry. and heart. And then you get captain planet. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but though, so there is fire, earth, air, water. And there's, um, it's called, it's referred to as the triplicity and there's three Zodiac signs per these four categories, elements. And you think about it, like we interact with these elements every day. Like we interact with fire in some means. We interact with, with air, with wind, Mm -hmm. we interact with water, we interact with the earth. And when you start to like see the parallels between these physical elements in this, in this natural world, to the zodiac signs, it connects. And that's why like when people are learning astrology and wanting to get more into it, I'm like, observe the elements. Cause you already have a reference of this, what is hot. And you know what your relation is to heat. I like living in hot places. I like hot food. Or you know your relationship to water. Like being in a bath mm. is comforting to me. Ugh, being in water is scary and it makes me feel like claustrophobic. Yeah. You know, and then you start to learn about the, the, the zodiac signs and the elemental quality and how that influences their nature. And it, it connects because when you can connect it to your physical existence, when you can connect something that can seem esoteric to your physical existence and see how it really is like a plane out of or an illustration of something that is tangible that you exist with or interact with every day, it connects. And so that's one of my favorite ways for people to connect to astrology is through the elements. I feel like we would have this conversation like back post Vita's class. Yeah. 630, well, you know, not 630, it'd be like 830. 830. But like, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. it's great talking with you, man. Yeah, it's man. Fun. It's fun. I love talking about astrology because I feel like I'm talking about the things that connect to individuals, you know, yeah. and connect groups of people together. Because at the end of the day, I think that's what it is. You're exploring the things that bring us together. Yeah. 
So explain to me what inspired Little Crab Astrology. I don't know if that's the company or if that's the book or both, but give me a little bit of the backstory about Little Crab Astrology because I know there's a book, but and, and there is yeah. So talk. Yeah, to you me. can't see this. I'm holding the book. Meanwhile, Eddie, like I'm thinking about my branding, and I'm like, yeah, he's right. Like, is it a production company or a book? <laughs> little yeah. So it's really interesting. Like I came up with this book idea in 2013. I was briefly dating someone who was a Leo and I was thinking about how funny it is how I, as mentioned, is, am a cancer zodiac and that's representative of a crab. And I was like, how funny is it to think of a, like, a crab and a lion, which are lioness, which is representative of Leo, <laughs> hanging out and like getting to know each other. And so hmm. I was like, this would be like a really amazing kid's book. Not about like, a crab and lion dating. No, no, that's like about like about, like, about the, the 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 like literal interaction of of these two very different archetypes, you know, and, and like in having them interact. And um, maybe it's, it's like 2000. Sorry, it's 2012, 2013. And I really was like, that would be cool. But the screenwriter. I'm super into astrology, but I didn't see that as like necessarily my career at that point. Mm -hmm. And so I started really finding myself just writing and writing and creating. And I was like, okay, I got to do this. And I realized I was like, it has to be a 12 book series. And each book is this character, the little crab who, yes, the character is a, a cancer zodiac sign who uh, is taken away from from his home and on his journey back to get home interacts with each sign of the Zodiac through an astrological lamp. And, um, what that is, is, is reminding us that even if you don't have planets in your natal chart or, or ask or points or placements, you have every sign of the Zodiac in your chart, you know, and we, it's reminding us, and for kids, just that like you are not without, you belong, A, you belong. And even if you recognize that like you maybe don't naturally have or recognize traits in yourself that you see in other people, like you see in a, a friend that's like really good at sports or really good at expressing themselves or really good at gaming. And you're like, oh, I don't have that. It's a reminder that you do have that and that life is an opportunity and these interactions we have with different people to access these parts of yourself and to remind you, you are whole and you're not missing anything about yourself and that you belong, you know, the little yeah. crab is seeking home in the entire book, but he recognizes he can belong in all these different worlds and that he has these qualities within and he just has to learn how to express them through his own unique way of being. And I think it's embracing who you are and embracing who others are and recognizing that like, we all have the ability to, to show the, each other the best parts of ourselves and that those parts exist within us and, and within other people. And we can, we can access those in unique ways. Um, and so, yeah, little crab. It, and then my Instagram, I was, I was like, well, I'm writing this book. I might as well like call it little crab astrology. And then it kind of, there wasn't a lot of thought, in the planning, I needed some. I need some more earth placements, Eddie. Is what I'm trying to say. I need some more strategy. I needed a little bit more, like looking at the long game. But I was like, little crap astrology. That's it. A very intuitive person, sometimes to a fault, and uh, you know, not looking at like 
how that would affect it, but it just felt right. And I think ultimately when you're creating something, even you know, creating a brand, creating a book, creating a movie, it has to connect and feel right, no matter how different it is, no matter if it presents a little peculiar. If it feels authentic and right for me, that is when I know green light and I'm going to go yeah. with it. And so I started my Instagram and uh, it has taken some weird turns. Um, I do videos with a koala named Miggy. Uh-huh. It's like a stuffed animal. I like, I, uh, I, I just like, I have to keep excited about it and creative. And, uh, I'm a huge like Muppets fan. I think like all the things I've like always loved, I'm now like finding vehicles for, you know, uh, through astrology and through, uh, social media, which I do really love. You know, we talked a lot of shit on social uh, or about social media earlier, but I will say one thing it's so amazing is the, the access to be able to create and be able to like take. Wait, but hold on. Let me push back there a little bit. Not, well, not okay. even push back. I don't know if, I don't know if I have an archaic view of, of, of the word creation, but when one is quote unquote creating something for social media, I actually don't know. And maybe you'll change my mind. I don't know if it's actually creative. Like, I think the act of writing a book or, or uh, making a movie, writing a script is creative. But creating something that is going into a place that is then connected to um, feedback, because I do think that feedback is then going to affect intuitively what you're going to create next. So, and I also think there's some sort of technology that's being infused. Again, technology can be used as a graphic artist. I get it. But, but when the technology is coming from this platform that has so many emotional elements attached to it, I don't know if it's creative anymore. Valid. All super valid. I, and I can only speak to my own individual. You know, I can tell when I'm creating something that I is, is not inspired and is instead based on i think this will do really well and it usually i usually don't end up publishing those things hmm. on on social media i don't post those usually because it just there's nothing driving it but you know uh like this this like superficial aim to like be more recognized or like more validated I, I personally, like when I get excited about an idea and I like start thinking about how funny it would be, I think what I like is that I can actually just pick up my phone and, and creatively find a way to share that idea where there's a lot of times where people have ideas and they have dreams, they have like vision, they, and they, you didn't before have the way to be like, Whoa, I can just record this quick movie or this quick sketch. Absolutely. I completely agree, man, that so many people, it's like, I am not really creating something. I am just projecting an image I think you want to see or an image that when you validate, you know, validates what I want to be or what I hope to see myself. And so there's a lot of shit and it's really layered. And it's like, it, it is, is, is twofold or multifold because it does present the opportunity to create stuff, to create from our, our whimsy, from our imagination, from our inspiration. But it also can just be something that is used to um, protect and build up an image and is really not creative rather than just like, I need to keep this belief of who I am and I need other people to see me as this so I can see myself as this. And 
man, I, I think I think there's an opportunity for both. And that's why yeah. it's so polarizing because yeah. it presents it can present growth and, and it can present um, opportunities for highlighting and sharing and then it can also connectivity and then it can also be the most fucking isolating thing you have in your life that that kind of stymies your individual development and growth and keeps you in this confined little box of i gotta keep presenting this image to people because this is what people want and this is what people so it it's it can be you know double-edged sword yeah i i think um I, I guess my last point before we go, like when I look at the big, like the, as I'm walking into the tunnel and I see Spotify hanging like from like a stalactite or a stalagmite and I see Facebook and I see Netflix and I see all of these pretty elements of this cave as I walk in, it, at first I'm sort of awestruck by all these incredible tools. But then as I get further into the cave and I've, it feels like I get lost and I'll get confused and overwhelmed. And I think one of the greatest tragedies is allowing these tools to affect your spirit, your soul. And, and I think I'm a pretty dang aware person and I still struggle with how they impact my life. And, and, and I think I get a little sad thinking about how much they are impacting people's priorities the repetitious creative spirit, like as I said earlier, if you get more views or likes on a particular type of style of art, instinctively one will naturally do the same thing over and over again. And and I often think about, you know, the Led Zeppelins, the U2s, the types of I, I just the types of creators who didn't give a fuck what people thought. They just went into a room and created for six months or a year and didn't care about anything but listening to those inner creative elements, that those voices. And, and I just think a lot of my show is, is sort of like reminding people how powerful and important it is to sort of find those moments to connect with, with that, those sort of individual, intimate um, parts of ourselves. If we don't have that, everything will look the same. Everything mm-hmm. created will be a blur. You're yeah. absolutely right. And it's, man, it's such a challenge because we are so conditioned uh, to seek that instant gratification and to create something quickly mm-hmm. and to quickly and instantly get a result versus, as you like mentioned, going into like a studio for six months and just being like, look, comes out of here comes out of here here it is but not like you know one weekend being like oh we sent some samples here's the feedback on the sample they yes suck. so our our creativity is so influenced by technology right now in a negative way I, I there is like deleterious effects without a doubt 
on how we create and what we are able to create because of this like, you know, need to get this instant feedback on what it is we're creating. And so we have to balance that. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you're very aware of that and your podcast makes people aware of that, of the pitfalls of this beautiful cave as you so beautifully and metaphorically described. And, and it's like this cave can be really cool, right? But if you stay in it and you get lost in it, you never come out of the cave, you can, your life could be very dark and lonesome. Like, I mean, it can be a very isolated experience. Um, and I, I think it's just really important to call out tech like you do and call out like where, where are the pitfalls and, and identify where are the things that can like suck us in. And as I mentioned earlier about the magic of the world, I think that like, you know, the universe is really trying to get our attention right now. Hmm. Maybe that comes through more catastrophic means of <laughs> devastation and, you know, but it is really, I think, trying to pull us out of our distracted bubbles and say like, look, look, you know, and, and I mean, dude, I think it's awesome that you're out there like reminding people like, hey, this, this, this lifestyle has consequences. And it's just to recognize that there are dangers and there are not dangers. I don't want to be so, but there are, there are repercussions to this full immersion into our, you know, second lives or other lives. And I mean, I feel it all the time, you know, it's, it's so funny and I, I think distraction is important. And I think also like if I just focus on astrology all the time or metaphysical, like my head's going to explode. So like I have my escapes, like I'm like, I'm going to go watch a football game. Like I, you know, I do these things that like kind of unplug, but then I can recognize like, Oh, I'm getting too immersed into that other, that thing that is meant to just be, you know, a, a release valve. And so it's, you have to be con constantly aware of where your attention and intention is going and um, i think it's like you try to you know what i get from your podcast is you're just trying to ask people to be a little more intentional you know with technology and with where their where their energy is going and um where where they are putting themselves you know where they are projecting who they are you know yeah Dude, I was going to ask you a quick question. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. What uh, what type of exchanges with people leave you most fulfilled? Like when do you like – is it like a converse, a deep conversation or just like looking at another person from afar? But like what type of exchanges human to human like leave you feeling like, wow, like life is magical or like I feel so connected or just feeling good? Yeah, that's a great question. Um I, I'll talk, I can, I guess I'll just think about this talk with you and the one that I had recently with Emily Goodson, which we'll post in like a week. Um, I notice, I, first of all, I love the sound of people's voices. Like that's really, um, and somebody who isn't just talking, but also really pe- thinking about the question I'm asking. Uh, I, c- I get the sense some, a lot of people, not I get the sense, when people are just talking and just talking and talking, um, but not 
having a thought or curiosity about, you know, like where, where my question was coming from. Like, like there, I, I can tell you and my last guest, like we're really um, thinking before speaking. Um, and I also appreciate people who are able to sort of enter the way, the world of, of how I look at the world, because we live in, it's this sort of fine line where if you are critical about the world in any sort of way, the word hater will be thrown at you. And I think that's such a sort of myopic, um, almost just insecure reaction uh, and, and, and just uh, pretty two-dimensional. Because I, I don't think people want to... Really, the GDO squad. Yeah, yeah. they don't. They don't. I, I just. I think some people don't want to really take a moment to just. Uh, I mean, I, it's easy to sort of be critical, but then I'm. I, in addition to being critical, I'm trying to sort of like offer some insight and a different way of 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 looking at the world, and and I, I appreciate when people sort of want to take this examination with me, and and I think. I can tell when people are listening. I can tell when people um, have an intention where I, I like when people are honest and don't come at with with like an ego, like they have it all figured out. So That's it's smart. just yeah. I I think I'm I I just I really respond to people that lead with the heart and yeah. put, put the ego down and are willing to. Think about how this, the, the world's sort of, this technology-infused world impacts. Like, how often do we really take a moment to think about how often we are led and drawn, not by our own impulse, but by something the phone sends our way? I mean, that's, I guess that's, that's the homework for this week is, like, take a moment, if you even can think about it, like, if you're buying something or watching something or going somewhere, was that something a friend suggested? Was that your own impulse or was that led by uh, Instagram? Yeah, separating influence versus inward inspiration. Yeah. Or, or, you know, when is an impulse connected directly to, like, your needs versus, like, an impulse connected to what you saw trending or what you saw being popularized somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's good homework. I, <laughs> lastly, I just want to say working at yoga works, I got a lot of joy watching you and the friend group you had after Vetus's class, you know, Sam, Raina, Matthew, you know, you guys just all coming out of class and I would love to watch you guys in a non-creepy way just engage with each other and just talk and have those really meaningful, cool exchanges and just share in, in that happiness of, of like being through that shared experience of a good yoga class. Yeah. And just, it was really cool, man. I Connection is so important. And I just, I really enjoyed seeing those moments with you guys because you had yeah. a very palpable connection it was it was just neat to see and and to like hear the convert you guys would have these deep conversations and have these or just have these simple exchanges of pleasantry but it was just it was just cool it was an example of like very um meaningful but also just delightful exchanges yeah. well and i will well first of all thanks but second 
I will say, as much as I have loved my life and, and what, how it's evolved over the last three years post-pandemic, the one, th- two points I want to make, I definitely for sure miss the community in the world of yoga pre-pandemic. Like we talked about it on the phone. Like, and, and then which then adds to my other point, you felt the, the, the shift of energy in that room from the beginning to the end. I mean, it was, it was powerful. It, it, it was there. And, and I, I'm a big believer in energy and the power to sort of shift the energy uh, in a room, be it a DJ, be it as a yoga teacher. So th- th- those moments are certainly something that I miss. Very special. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, witnessing the transformation on, on you guys just from getting into the studio, taking the class, and then that after, that after moment where like a lot of the outside world melted away and a lot of what mattered remained and it was exchanged between all of you. That was, that's special. That's yeah. Neat. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's it's different. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so I'll I'll put it in the notes and stuff, but just really quickly, it's littlecrabastrology.com. Yes, okay, so um, my website is littlecrabastrology.com. You can mm-hmm. find me on Instagram where I mainly, that's like my preferred platform, uh, yeah. at littlecrabastrology. My book is... This is the first of 12 books. Wow. When I say that, I'm like, what? Again, Mercury and, and Jupiter conjunction, the fifth house. Like, what journey did I agree to? Um, it is a long one. But um, I am working to publish the self – excuse me. I'm working to self-publish my second book, which will be all about the zodiac sign of Aries. Uh, the first book is about the sign of Cancer. And then it goes in zodiacal order. I've been working on the Taurus book and very much been enjoying it. Um, and I am hoping to find a traditional publisher or partner to really have the, uh, you know, kind of, uh, resources to get this book out there yeah. in a big way. Cause I, I do, it is a book created for kids ages four to eight. Um, but I do feel like adults will resonate it with it too. Uh, it's a little plucky, but it also kind of, um, speaks to the kind of core qualities of who we are and of accepting and loving who we are and how when we meet people that have the characters of other people that have um, other personality traits different than ours, how we integrate those in and how we um, can honor those and honor that we have parts of those people in ourselves. It doesn't quite make sense, but parts of their personalities within us. Going back to like, we all have the every zodiac sign in our natal chart. Um, so yes, uh, come DM me. You can book a reading with me on my website. I offer all sorts of different readings. Um, you can uh, check me out on Instagram where I pretty regularly post astrology-based content. Um, you can get my book on Amazon. Uh, I am going to reissue the first book when the second book is released, probably first quarter next year. Um, and then, yeah, if you're a publisher, cool. you should hit me up and we can talk about bringing this book to millions of people. Nice, man. Boy, you, you're gonna, you've got lots of, you basically have the next 10 years of your life, uh, occupied. Mapped yeah, mapped out. Cause you got like 11 more books. And when I look at my astrology and like, when I look at like different predictive timing techniques, it's cool because I see, I'm like, oh my God, I see where this is building and I see what big picture phase of my life I'm in and then what 
what years may have be really pivotal to this journey. And it's exciting. I'm really excited. I've never been so passionate about creating something mm. and knowing that this is the unique thing I want to bring into the world, you know? And I realized yeah. that last thing, like, sorry, man, it's okay. don't know really long, but like, it's just realizing like I could win a Oscar for a screenplay. And I think ultimately bringing something new and something so inspired by everything that I am, which is this journey of the little crab finds a friend would be more gratifying. And when I realized that moment, everything got really clear and you're right. I mapped out like, this is what I'm doing with my life. This is my like legacy. This is my 10th house. This is like what I want to be known for, you know, um, yeah. bringing astrology to kids in a way that is thoughtful, mindful and invites further exploration. And there's a lot of possible pitfalls and there's a lot of obstacles to doing that. But um, I think as long as I stay clear with, with my intention, open-hearted, open-minded, then I, I feel good about prospects succeeding. Wow, man. It was great to see you. I appreciate you doing this, it dude. It was great to see you, man. This yeah. is so fun, dude. Yeah, I love it. was it. great. Um, yeah, man. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll reach out in the next – I mean, this will post in probably like two to three weeks, but I'll reach out after because I would love to – Go and I'll, I'll hopefully have finished your book. I got a few flights I'm taking. So oh, cool. I'm like, I'm, I love how much fun you had, right? I feel like it was such a healthy outlet for getting all the derision and all the, like, <laughs> it was, it was so, I was like, I felt I could feel the fun. And yeah. I was just like, that's awesome. Anytime you, you do that, it's like, yeah, no, you're right. It, it was like, I mean, the process of writing was, was, Oh, it's brutal. Oh, right. it's fucking awful. And <laughs> torch. Right, I mean, right, right. there were lots of great moments, believe me, and I feel very accomplished and incredibly proud. But man, it, it just became an obsessive uh, journey that, that it was just, it was a gargantuan mountain to get through and climb. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I'm very proud of it and I, I'm excited. I mean, I'm kind of in the world of music right now. I've been writing a lot of music. So I get the sense that's sort of my outlet right now. But I, I'm certainly excited to write something else for sure. You were constantly creating there from a very intentional and, and like inspired place, which is awesome. So be it music, podcasts, this book, it's, <laughs> it's all very like authentically you, which is so cool. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Um, well, lots of love, dude. Love you a lot. Appreciate love you a lot, man. This was so fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to like hang in person at some point. Absolutely. Do a yoga class. And so, yeah. Be, yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. This was great. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Eddie. Later, man. Bye.